Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Arts Insider podcast. So it's me and Mark back in the studio today. Hi, Mark. Hello. And we've not long finished up working with the exam class. But today, I kind of get the chance to sit down with Mark, who is a director of 20 years experience, and unpack his toolbox a little bit. And as an early career director, I mean, it's just the most invaluable resource to be able to have open access to someone with that experience and ask them, how would you do this? Because I'm facing this problem. So Mark, first of all, thank you for agreeing to let me pick your brains on a lot of this. You're very welcome. And so I want to kind of jump straight in and ask you a set of questions that are first of all ones that are at the top of my mind. They're kind of live questions connected to stuff that I'm really experiencing at the moment in directing Madagascar alongside Ben and in directing Frozen with the seniors in Up Holland, as well as working with you in the exam class. But before I dive too deeply into these questions about the here and now, I actually want to ask you about something that I've never, I think, asked you about before, which is your very first directing experience. I have no idea what that was, and so I'd love to hear about it. So I think I'd have to go back to, unofficially, we're probably 1999 when I was in uh, high school, year 11. Our drama teacher, uh, Mr. Sheeran, Clive Sheeran, who's still alive, uh, big up to Clive, he... Um, he left and he was a fantastic teacher. And then Mr. Brown, the English teacher, took over, um, who I also really like, Mr. Brown. And we did Oliver in our final year. And Mr. Brown basically said, look, we, I'll do this, but I need some help. So being in year 11 with my friend Laura, Laura uh, Francis, or Keating as it is, obviously Laura who worked with us here at the centre, um, and... Nikki Woods, who's actually Ava Phillips's auntie. Um, and we pretty much ran that show uh, with Mr. Brown. And that was my first kind of like leadership kind of position that I had unofficially, as it must be said. And then after that, left school uh, 1920, and I got asked to start getting involved in a bit of a local um, amateur dramatics thing, which was uh, Scam, Scam Players and... Um, I got involved in the kind of junior group there, which they didn't really have at the time. And we kind of like reinvigorated this junior group. And um, I, the first show I ever directed was a, was a show called Jukebox. Um, it was a jukebox musical because it had, the idea was that uh, you someone had put like um, some money in the jukebox and out of the jukebox would pop various artists, famous artists from the past. And... I think that was the very first show I directed when I was probably, I don't know, maybe maybe 17, 18. Um, and, you know, from then on, I, I, I yeah, I started to to kind of continue to push, push the boundary, really, you know, trying to get things bigger and better and more and more people involved. But I think that was my, they would be my unofficial and official first first go if you like of that of that job yeah it's really interesting to me that laura is part of that first project because my first experience as a student at the center really had laura at the center of it she was everyone's mum everyone's mum and 
if she told you to pack it in, you'd listen. But she's therefore someone, you know, that's 1999 that you were working with her on that. And it's probably 2015 that I met you and her as her being part of your team. Which leads me quite nicely, I think, into the first question that I want to ask you about, which is about creating the team around you. I mean, what's your what's your methodology for that? I I think that for me, you know, the team is is the key. Really, it's the key. The, 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 it's so important. And I think back to when I was in school, I was very much if you if we want to talk about. Um, you know, like High School Musical, I was the I was the, the Troy Bolton. I was the you know one of the lads from the football team captain. You know, I was down that down that route, and everyone had their stereotypical groups that from the geeks to the goths to the the nerds and and all of that. There was all those you know, and and like many, it took me till till much later on in my school life to to see any synergy between me and somebody else. And I think now we go through this thing where. We, we either society or, or we put ourselves in boxes. And I thought, if I surround myself with like-minded people like me, then that would be that would be the best thing forward. We'd all get it. We'd all understand mm. the same things. Not seeing any value in the in the nerds or the you know the you know the the, the musos as we used to call mm-hmm. them then. And, and, and so it, that that like the irony of that now is when I started to actually direct theatre. Even at a young age, I realized that actually there was great value in the guy who you didn't speak to in school that was actually brilliant at, um, you know, technical stuff and computers and figuring out that. Or there was great value in the in the girls that were that were you know maybe good at makeup or that kind of thing. So I started to build a team um, based on on the things that I needed, you know, you need makeup, choreography, uh, costume, lighting. And what was ironic, as I say, was you needed a huge variety of, of different people. Um, and I started to really, really see the value then in, you know, in people who, who did certain jobs, had certain skills that maybe that weren't my skills. And, 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 you know, I've read something recently about you know your net your network being your net worth, and I loved I loved that kind of analogy really of of seeing it like that. Um, you're only as good as or as valuable as as, you, as the network. So yeah, I mean, what I do now is I look for. I, I still maybe slightly different nowadays because now what I do is I look for people based on on their character. I tend to look for people based on the character. Um, Unless I'm after something really, really specific. So if I'm after someone who want, I want you know someone to do me an animation, for example, I, I don't really care because I don't, I don't have to deal with the character. I just need them to do me an animation. But mm-hmm. if, if I'm if I'm introducing people to work with the students or with the team here, they've got to fit that ethos. They've got to be the right person. Um, yeah. So so Laura was one of them who had been out the game 10, 10 years, never set foot on stage but she was always the right character. So mm-hmm. build up the confidence, get her back in. And yeah, she was she was brilliant for, for the three or four years that she was here. Well, to build on that then, one of the first things that we spoke about when the decision was sort of made that I'd get the opportunity to direct Frozen this year, for instance, was you were really clear to me that one thing that I would have to do is 
assemble my own team and sort of start from scratch for who is the creative and facilitative team on a Tuesday night. So now those faces are people like Joe Lucas and it's Janine and it's Rachel and it's people like Tina on costume. And a, and a thing that I had today, literally today with Tina was I knew, I knew in my head, I really didn't like the idea of the costumes being shiny because I've seen these versions of this show where the costumes look a bit fake and a bit silly and shiny. And I was thinking, okay, I need to speak to Tina about this because she is a part of this team. And this is the kind of vision that as the director I'm having, but I'm, I am worried because what if I say this to Tina and it, it's like, oh, I'm stepping on her toes a little bit. In the end, I had the conversation with her and she was on the exact same boat. She turned around to me and said, do you think I do cheap and nasty? No, I don't. <laughs> but getting people on board with your vision for a show, which you've done so many times before, just what is, what is the nuance? What is the approach of doing that? When I was younger, so I, I remember directing uh, Joseph and the, um, the technical the dream coat in probably 2000 and so maybe 2006, something like that. And it was a big production. Um, and I was doing, I was directing the show. I was dealing with the, all of the creative team around the show. Um, and I was in the show. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was actually playing the lead in the <laughs> show. Um, and... At that time, I was trying to do everything. And when I say everything, I had people in in positions, but I was telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. So I want you to be like light guy, but I want you to do this, 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 and this. And all of those decisions that I had to make at that point, I, you know, I remember walking out of the dress rehearsal and I, I just felt like my head was going to explode. I was so stressed about it. And in my head, I was delegating. I was delegating jobs to to people, but what I didn't, what I wasn't doing, was delegating responsibility and and decisions and mm-hmm. choices. And the only person I worked with who who had had any kind of say on what what happened was the choreographer because she she had her own dance school, and my mum who was costume. Mm-hmm. And I realised that in order for me to do this bigger and better, I'm going to have to not only delegate the job but delegate, you know this is on you, come with your ideas, come with your, you know, and being honest with people and being really open with, this is my vision, this is what I'm hoping to achieve, this is what I'd like to do. But the minute you say, this is how I want you to do it, you basically switch off the light of their creativity. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got to be really serious about what do you want from your team? Do you want them to just be a yes man? or a yes woman, or just say, do as they're told for you, or do you want to tap into their creative ideas, their, you know, knowledge and expertise, in which case you've you've got to, at times, give them that opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you have to accept everything that mm-hmm. comes back. You know, so this is my thought. What do you think? Oh, well, actually... You know, there's this thing now where everybody, everyone's frightened of being offended and people take offense so easily. I call it creative conflict. Mm-hmm. You and I are the best example of this. We we, we 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 talk about so many different things to do with theater and and very often we don't agree. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we we don't value each other's opinion no. or we, we, we don't like each other. It's the fact that, you know, we both have different opinions and... 
there is a balancing act to do that, but mm. but I think fundamentally, you've got to you've got to be willing to give people skin in the game mm -hmm. to help you create the vision, but you've got to set the vision as well at the same at the same time. So that is going to take us to our next question, which is still on the lines of dealing with people, working with people, and. It's a question I have for you because it is a fear that I have, which is around the idea of, for right now, for instance, sessions are great, going really well, you know? And I think it's easy to feel like everyone's favorite person. And I fear the moment where someone doesn't get the role that they wanted in the audition or someone doesn't have a good session and they need to be told so because that's what's best for them. You go from being someone that people people really vibe with, they're a fan of, and then like that, they really do not like you. Just as a person, as a human being who feels those emotions, how do you manage that? I think that is, is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest, um, things in youth theatre, in, in any theatre, I think, or in any in any team event, I think that's the hardest. You were in what what I would call the honeymoon period at the moment. Mm -hmm. You are in the honeymoon period. Y you are the. I've got this amazing show. I've got this amazing kind of ideas and energy, and everyone wants to be part of it. But the reason they want to be part of it, in the main, is they want some skin in the game. They mm -hmm. want a big role to 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 be able to be you know, to be part of that. And we, as we know, it isn't, it isn't available to everybody. No. So at the moment, everyone's motivated. Everyone's on, on side. Attendance is booming. You know, nobody's, nobody's sulking and it's easy. Mm -hmm. But like you rightly so, you're going to come up with casting day and all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of bruised egos, a lot of upset people and your job then it really begins. Because I think that from a leadership perspective, the director's perspective, is, you know, everybody can lead when the sun's shining. Uh -huh. It's dead easy, you know. But when you've got people who are now don't feel like they're good enough or they're down, they're upset, they're emotional, that that's when you're, you know, you're going to be challenged, I think. Mm -hmm. The difference here is, and I think the fundamental difference is, we don't advertise for we're doing a show, people mm -hmm. turn up and everybody who doesn't get a part is not invited back. They, they go mm -hmm. home and we don't see them. That's not how we do things. Mm -hmm. Our students are our students for 12 months, as, as you know. And when we do a show, everyone's in that show and a lot of them are not in the parts that they wanted. So as we, as we go through that, you, you know, when we do the audition, I always give feedback. I, I I break the news, if you like, to them individually. And I've done mm -hmm. it to you. You'll remember that. Where everyone's brought into a room or whatever, and we we talk to them about the parts. We've recently been doing casting in the circle, which which is is great for developing an atmosphere. But we've always then I would then take out kids and talk to them about their disappointment, about mm -hmm. those things. And I've always done that personally because I want to be the one to do, to say to them, look, I know where you are on the journey. Mm -hmm. I know where you are. And 
the, you know, we, we talk about the positives from the audition, but what we don't do, and you you sh- you know should never do, and other people should never do, is in order to soften the blow for you, is to blag them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, is is say things like, "Yeah, you you're absolutely fantastic," but I haven't got the part. So, yeah. which bit was fantastic? And it comes back to this thing about being specific and being con- you know context specific in terms of the kid. So, you know. I want to look at what you did well. And actually, I've looked and turned, looked people in the eye and said, that was a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. And let's look at why it was a bit of a mess. What went wrong? Can, how can we re-avoid that in the future? And I see someone's arch journey as a, you know, five, seven, you've got yours, nearly, mm-hmm. you know, going on for, you know, eight, eight, seven or eight years. Erica's was nearly 10 years. Let's look at it at the end of that, mm-hmm. not at this moment. So I think for you is always being honest, mm-hmm. always having an open door, always being able to to look at someone and go, I understand why they're upset. You know, I understand why they're upset. And let's talk to them about that. You know, let's yeah. acknowledge the fact that they're upset. And, you know, so that's the way I've always tried to be, is consistent. And I've, I've been, I tried to be honest. Um, I, I've tried not to, you know, for want of a better phrase, bullshit people. I just, I just say, say what I see. Um, and try not to be too too in, um, get involved with too much outside influence because yeah. we know we 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 see it the kid sees it I see it we see it inside um, but it's without doubt uh, you know dealing with people's emotions is difficult it doesn't come to us as a surprise to me a lot of that because you know we work so closely together but we've never really discussed that element in that detail or in that context and I remember, I, I know I tell you this story quite a lot. We discuss it for some reason often when we're, we're driving somewhere. But I had one student camper in the summer who she did a fine audition, but maybe not a great audition for a part she really, really wanted and didn't get it. And this was the first week of shows and she came to me and she she kind of was trying to dance with the idea of pulling out of the show and she was presented the opportunity, you know, sleep on it, come back. And if you're out, you're out, but I would encourage you not to, which was really the philosophy of like giving people space, letting them fundamentally making their own idea. And you can't drag someone into a show. We're all philosophies that I took abroad from you. As a result, she came back the next day with the most professional attitude out of everyone. She, by the end of it, had above maybe the entire rest of every cast proven to me you have a really professional work ethic what i'm supposing what i suppose i'm asking from you is have you found that when an auditionee is resilient after hearing your honesty are they the people who stick around in the long run are they the people who you've kept um in sessions in the long run yeah yeah 100% and and to be honest, I think I have m- more, or always more um, respect, I guess, more admiration for for young people that take one on the chin. Mm-hmm. You know, they've put their life, oh well, not their life. That's a bit strong. Heart and soul into an audition process. They don't get the part they wanted, and they they just they thank you for feedback. They you know they they walk out the room and then 
you can go back into the room and they're already now involved in a, yeah. in, in, in the, the new job that they've been given. And I think that's the day of the audition is, uh, the, the, the casting is give them a new job yeah. and they go away and they get on with that. And I think that that is definitely something that, that I admire in, in young people. Um, as I always say to them, the day of casting, you know, is you can be disappointed today. Mm-hmm. That's that's understandable. Let, let's not beat around the bush. Like, that's that's understandable. Some people take it worse than others, but the week after, come back and and be ready. Be ready to go. Don't let that hang over for for weeks and weeks, yeah. because like that is then showing an element of we're not playing the team game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've, I I can think of uh, you know, of a couple of really really tough tough casting uh-huh. decisions that I've made. Um, Susical was probably one of the first Seuss. Yeah, amazing, amazing cast. You know, amazing cast. And and you know, I think it was Molly and Molly Waterhouse had, had literally she'd been banging on the door. She'd been getting stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, you know, there was there was three girls for two part uh, for two parts, and it was like I just. It was so difficult to to break that to Molly, and she was upset, really upset, uh, and rightly so, you know. And I, I was a bit upset because I thought, but it wasn't about sharing it out. It was no. about there was reasons why she wasn't cast, and I, I tried to explain them to her. And I gave her the part of um, one of the Wickersham brothers, yeah. you know. And the week after, she she absolutely loved it. You know, she went on, she did it, brilliant performance. And at the end of it, I said to Molly, "Would you swap?" Wickersham won for <laughs> it was Maisie, and she went, no, not a, not a bit of it. Wow. I always I always admire Molly for that. She was and like Molly likes so many. I think Ben Chain's a great example of it. People who just bounce back when because you know it is about it is about it's a team game. You know it's a mm-hmm. team game, and I, I think that yeah, the, the people who've stood the test of time, they they've not always had it the way that they want it. No. And the industry, as as we know, the, the you know the real life industry, as we as it were, the the performing arts industry. I think we were talking to James Riley about this over on my birthday weekend. Was you go into you go into maybe sixty seventy auditions mm-hmm. and not getting one part? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so one in seventy, maybe the ratio here of maybe one in one in four, one in five, it isn't actually too bad. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to mine and Mark's interview where we were talking about starting out as a director. If you enjoyed the interview and you want to hear some more, well, the good news is you absolutely can because this is just part one of a four-part interview. So make sure you check out the rest of the interview because Mark shares some amazing stories from his experience after 20 years as a director and he gives some brilliant pieces of wisdom. If you want to listen to them, just head back over to the Arts Insider podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye for now.